Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk to a different creative Mississippian. I'm your host, Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today, I'm speaking with Jackson native Melissa Mickens. Melissa is an actor, writer, director, producer, and teaching artist based in New York. She's the director of Adler Youth and Summer Shakespeare and the Black Arts Institute coordinator at the Stella Adler Studio of Acting. I, this is a really special interview for me because Melissa is was one of my students years ago at Power APAC in the theater arts department. I, I have the privilege of kind of having had a front row seat to watching your career like bloom since the eighth grade which started before that I know you knew long before the eighth grade that you wanted to be an actor and a theater artist um because I met you when you were in the eighth grade but we're going to go back even before that and I want to hear tell me like what was the first inkling you had that you're like that's what I'm gonna do oh wow um I think I didn't know until my mom kind of put me into a summer, a summer camp program. Um, It was at the Mississippi Community Children's Theater and um, it was a day camp and we did the three Billy Goats Gruff and I was, I think the third Billy Goat. And it was just so much fun, like making masks and playing these characters. And I just had a lot of fun with it. And um, you know, the teacher said that, oh, she's really good at this. You should encourage her to do this more. And so they found out about New Stage. And um, from there, like that was basically my, my summer camp for a couple of years was going to New Stage, um, going, you know, going to that theater and having so much fun playing. I think I was the toad in Alice in Wonderland one year. And then, mm-hmm. um, one summer camp, I was there and they were having auditions for the winter, their Christmas show that they were going to do. They were, were deciding not to do Christmas Carol that year. And they were doing a musical called The Littlest Angel. And my camp director, Angie Rose, um, <laughs> called me mm-hmm. into the room. The, I can't remember the name of, of the big room at the theater. It's usually I think, where they have like refreshments and snacks during intermission. Um, but she said, Melissa, can you sing? And I said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can sing happy birthday. And she's like, that's fine. That's perfect. So come with me. So we went into the, sta- we went to the stage and she said, okay, so I want you to sing happy birthday. And there were like a couple of people in the seats and it was her. And I did it and I didn't think anything of it. And then come to find out, my mom tells me, you know, ask when she's driving me home, it's like, oh, they're interested in having you audition for the role of the littlest angel <laughs> huh? I was in third grade I was eight years old and it was the lead part and I said really and that was um I was fortunate enough to get cast in that with Johnny Weiner as the <laughs> other littlest angel um and we were double cast and it was I had the most amazing time um 
it was the first like main stage show that I'd ever done. Um, my mom helped me with my lines. She knew my lines before I did. She was at every rehearsal. And that was really when I knew that this was something that I really wanted to do. Um, at home, my dad, you know, we would watch um, old MGM Hollywood musicals together on weekends. And I fell in love with Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire and like mm. the Rodgers and Hammerstein movies from the library. And I just said, this is something that this, this makes sense to me. And, you know, mom found out about APAC and for some strange reason, they were had, they had a slot open um, at the top of the year when I was going into the fourth grade and I did the testing and I did the audition for the drama program and I was admitted late. Um, so I was, I started a few days after everybody else did. Um, and one of my really good friends, Ammon Perks, was also tested that same day and we, <laughs> we ended up being like the closest friends um, for years and he's, he lives in Philly now um, mm. but he did music and I did drama and Power APAC just was a dream it was um, it's such a great school I, I can't speak to what it is now um, but what it was for me in you know, 99 through 2007, um, it really just gave me the encouragement. It, it put, they, all the teachers pushed me, um, Mr. Thompson, Mr. Coates, like learning about back, like behind the scenes and doing tech, tech arts classes and, you know, doing research on musicals, plus the performances that we got to do, um, puppetry, like we did, like we did everything there. And, you know, when you, Leslie, I'm, it's so <laughs> weird to still call you by your first name. You, Leslie, um, and Mr. Hill, Soul Pack, when you guys came on board, it's like there was this, this fresh, renewed energy um, mm -hmm. in terms of like the, the kind of work that you wanted us to do and the expectations that you guys had for us because you were like fresh out of college. And so like you had like all of this, like, you know, this energy that, um, that like Allie Dinkins had had when I was there, when Angie, Angie Rhodes, my director mm -hmm. from Los Angel, like she taught there for a while. It's just like, every, it was like this really weird cross-pollination between New States and, and Power APAC mm -hmm. when it came to theater. So I was like, oh, familiar faces who are pushing me to go even, even further. Um, APAC was the best. And I think um, APAC plus my dance training that I was getting at um, my previous school, New Hope Christian School, um, with Miss Melvina Whitehead, who was my ballet teacher um, for uh, from the ages of three to twelve. She, with that encouragement, with that support, um, like she allowed me to choreograph dances and for like the recitals and for Christmas programs. I mean, I just was really fortunate that I had mentors who um, saw something in me um, worth encouraging and, and up, mm -hmm. uplifting and, and, and telling me to keep going. And I also recognized how blessed I was to have parents who encouraged me to do that and sometimes wanted me to do more. Um, mm -hmm. But I said, if this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life, I don't have to pack it all in right now. Like I'll, mm -hmm. there'll be time. Um, I don't have to do all the outside of school activities. So with that, you know, with that understanding, um, I just, there's just something about um, theater and there's something about 
in the entertainment industry, um, for anybody who's ever done it in any way, shape, or form, community, professional, amateur, whatever, what have you, um, you can't deny the community that you build, the families that mm. you build in those kinds of environments. And it's, it's one of the, I say, you know, the older I get, I can always still say it's not going to be hard for me to make friends. All I have to do is do a show. Um, so, so true. So true. <laughs> like, you know, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I've known since I was five, six or seven that this is what I was going to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I will admit that um, we'll probably touch on this later, but watching uh, Little Women with Winona Ryder and Susan mm. Sarandon when I was 10 or 11 um, kind of also made me think that opening a theater school at some point would also be a part of my dream, would be a part of my journey. Um, it's just kind of crazy how right now it's uh, <laughs> it's happening a lot faster than I thought it would. Uh, so that's kind of intimidating, but yeah, it's, all the facets, everything that's happening now, um, I'm very fortunate that I knew what I wanted to do for a very long time and I was never told no. That's amazing. Never told no. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many things that you touched on that I want to circle back to the theater school for sure. And I just have to say, oh, if you just joined us, we're, we're talking today with Melissa Mickens. She's based in New York right now, but she grew up in Jackson. And we were talking about her experiences at Power APAC, which if you aren't familiar with Power APAC, if you're not in the Jackson area, it's Power Academic and Performing Arts Complex, recently became the Ida B. Wells School. But uh, Melissa, she, she mentioned uh, people she worked with, like Angie Rhodes and Johnny Weiner, and, and before she even got to APAC, and then we all ended up at APAC together. And I think that really does speak to the point that you just made about theater being a community. It's this, it may seem like this big world, but it's such a like close-knit family of people um, when, you, when you really get into the theater world. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. And today I'm talking with theater and film artist, Melissa Mickens. Tell us what happened uh, after after graduation from APAC and Murrah. Yeah, sure. So um, after I graduated from, high, from Murrah High School, go Mustang, um, I attended New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. Um, funny story about NYU. Um, one of the reasons why I ended up there has a lot to do with my, my, my father. Um, my dad, Frank Mickens, uh, was from New York City, 
Um, and he likes to brag that he lived in every borough except Staten Island because my grandfather was a super um, for buildings in the city. And um, growing up, I had a really close connection with my mother's side of the family, with my maternal side of the family, um, but not so much with the paternal side. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's just really expensive to go to New York um, to visit and go on vacation. But um, uh, Katrina, when Katrina hit, um, we actually got to dodge a lot of the bad parts of it because we had planned a trip to New York mm. for that weekend. Um, and so, because my mom wanted to go to the US Open to see Roger Federer. So we were in New York and, you know, it's around the time when I'm starting to really think about college and what kind of environment or atmosphere I want to want to be in um, and who has good acting school. Mm. Um, and just being there with dad, you know, walking around and saying like, oh no, the neighborhoods have really changed. Like I used to do, you know, go through this route in the Diamond District for my dad, you know, being a little messenger and him just walking us around I said you know I would really love to um, live in this place that was his home for so long that made made the man that he was and so um, I had no idea that a New York University existed <laughs> I just said I want to go to a school in New York that has an acting school and I just got lucky that one existed I had a really strong acting program yeah a little bit they're a little bit strong yeah. <laughs> Um, and the funny thing is, is that I did the regional auditions in Atlanta and, um, you know, they welcome you and say, yada, 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 two audition, two monologues, there'll be an interview, have an idea of what studio you want to, you want to study at, because they'll ask you and they may use your preference when they place you if you're accepted. And of course, my mom's like, did you know about that? And I'm like, uh, no. And so... Because I was really, I was very unprepared when it came to college applications. Prepare for your college applications, everyone. Um, and, <laughs> so so was, and so um, I was looking at booklets and pamphlets and, you know, going back to my dad and I watching a lot of old movies on like TCM and renting them from the library. I saw the Stella Adler booklet and it had Marlon Brando on the cover. And I was like, oh, I know who that is. And so I just flipped through and I was like, huh okay, I know what I'm going to say. So um, for those who are unfamiliar with Tisch, um, for undergrad, um, with graduate school, you actually study on campus at 721 Broadway um, in the Tisch school. But for undergrad, they offer this amazing opportunity for you to study at one of the acting schools that's based in New York City. So there's the Atlantic Theater Company, Playwrights Horizon. Um, at the time I attended, Lee Strasberg Studio was still a part of the studio system. Meisner, Stella Adler, Cap 21 for musical theater, which I knew I wasn't auditioning for, and um, Experimental Theater Wing. So I went in, they asked the questions, they said, where'd you like to go? Stella Adler sounds great. And that's where I ended up. Um, little did I know that it would become my um, artistic and professional home um, post-grad. I'm still there. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm enmeshed in that, in that studio now. Um, but I was just really excited to spend at least four years in the heart of Broadway in New York City, um, studying art, studying how to be an actor, um, how to get the technique down, learn more about my body, my voice, um, 
And, you know, I was pushed a lot. Um, everybody says that first year, it's, it's really about like, it's freshman year and you're learning a lot and you're not going to swallow everything that you get. And second year, it's like, okay, pressure cooker time. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately for us, the studio system doesn't have a cut system. So, um, you know, unlike I think other programs, um, other, like I think Carnegie Mellon has a cut program, um, but for mm-hmm. us, we didn't have cuts. And so um, you're destined to do two years of primary studio in the studio that you're assigned. And then your third and fourth year, you can decide what you wanna do. If you wanna do a minor in something, if you wanna study at a different studio. And for me, I was just like, you know, this feels like home. They know where I've started, so they know how far I can go. And I would rather stay with a faculty that knows me instead of starting over again somewhere else. And so I stayed at Adler um, for the last two years. And um, with that, it meant that um, at that time, diversity was not huge, was not, um, I started with, I think it was five, five African-American students my first year. And then by the time I graduated, I, I was the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, you know, it, it um, I, was, I was rewarded um, or, or I would say presented with this amazing opportunity to do Sarah Rule's um, vibrator play. Oh, and, I love Sarah Rule. <laughs> and I know, I I know you got me hooked on Sarah Rule. Um, <laughs> I use I use the Sarah Rule monologue to audition for NYU. Um, and <laughs> and um, you know, um, there's I knew that it was uh, an award of um, a gift to me because the play had an African American woman as one of the main roles in that play. So, you know, that, that really touched me and it cemented my, you know, my stance of, I need, I want to stay here because this is my family and they know what I can and cannot do. Um, And so I stretched and college was great. Um, I worked a lot um, and I kind of carried along the same attitude from high school into college, meaning that I didn't audition for a lot of main stage shows or um, cross um, like outside productions and all that stuff. Because A, I wanted to get a minor in African-American studies. So that meant more academic classes the second half of my time in school. And, you know, I was just like, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. I don't need to pack it all in here. Was that the smartest thing to do? I'll never know. I mean, there were a couple of directors that, you know, worked with students on those main stage shows that I could have connections to now if I'd done that, but to each his own. And I'm pretty happy with where I am and where I'm settled right now. So, um, and I'm, I'm still doing it. So, you know, I, uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with my, I kind of want to have a life in New York too. <laughs> I don't want to always be yeah. in a black box. You know, that's why I didn't go to DePaul because they said, oh, yeah, in the winter when it snows, you get trapped in the barn and that's where you live. And I was like, I never want to have a mm-hmm. training experience where I can't separate myself from theater because I know that there are so many different aspects to me that mm-hmm. while that does feed me, it's not going to nourish me. Um, and so that's why I made sure to take my time when it came to auditioning and rehearsing for, for roles outside of what was already being given to me. I would love to hear a little bit about 
what you're doing now at, at the Stella Adler School. Sure. Um, so I'm currently, excuse me, I'm currently the program director um, for our Adler Youth and Summer Shakespeare programs, which um, falls under the banner of the Stella Adler um, Center for Arts Justice Division at the studio. Um, I, my path to this role uh, <laughs> is quite interesting. Um, I think it starts honestly with uh, being a teaching artist about two years out of school. Um, a friend of mine, Jason Gray, who I did um, my first uh, postgraduate apprenticeship program with at the Hangar Theater in Ithaca, New York. Mm. Um, we were friends and we found out that we were actually in Adler's halls at the same time, but he was in the conservatory program and I was in the NYU program. So we never really had to interact um, in a forced way, but um, we, we became really fast friends. And he was, he actually held the position that I'm in um, prior to me taking it. And when he first stepped in, he said, we're looking for, we're starting this new program called Adler Youth Ambassadors. It's like, okay. It's like, do you know what Adler Youth is? It's like, no. He's like, okay. So it's our scholarship program for New York City high school teenagers who don't have access to arts programming at their school. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he said, they take the same classes that we do, that we did when we were there. Um, it's just after school for a smaller amount of time. Um, but they need somebody who has done conservatory style training, preferably an alum of the program, to take class with them, possibly be a theme, theme study partner, you know, if the numbers are uneven, and just show them how to take class by doing instead of by telling or whatever, what have you. It's like, oh, this sounds great. Um, so I was doing that in addition to um, working in the, in the pilot years of the Rikers Island program that Adler was also doing under their outreach division, which is now the Arts Justice Division, um, where theater artists would go out to Rikers and work with both the, um, the teen population, unfortunately, that are there, um, who are, you know, taking school while they're um, being, while they're waiting for uh, their court dates and sentencing, as well as with adults um, who, um, as an extracurricular activity for them. So I was doing uh, the work on Rikers as well as being an ambassador um, with the Adler Youth Program. And I was really loving it. I was enjoying it. And then at one point I was asked, hey, do you want to teach Shakespeare's theme study? <laughs> I said, oh, <laughs> what? You know, like I've done some Shakespeare shows. Um, I, I, I love Shakespeare, but at that point I was like, I don't even know if I'm actually the right person for you to be asking this question to, um, mm. because I have not done a lot. I've not done it. And I always think it's better for, um, for um, artists to have done before they teach, but they said, you're great. It's going to be fine. And, and my friend was like, you have a BFA in this, you'll be okay. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, I do have a degree. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so then I started doing, I started teaching and it was, my first day was the most overwhelming because I was like, oh my God, like I'm a teacher. I'm following in the legacy of my mom and like my aunts who are teachers. Like this is a family thing. Oh my goodness. I didn't think <laughs> I'd be teaching this soon outside of college. <laughs> Ah, I literally, I did think of you, Leslie, oh. and, 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 and Mr. Hill. I was like, 
oh, this is how they felt when they came into the room. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's just going like, you it's know, terrifying. It's terrifying. Open, <laughs> under chins being like, who are you? And what are you going to, you know, what are we doing with you? But the amazing trust that they had in me pushed me to make sure that, you know, I was getting them the right things. And I, you know, I just, I, I immediately just fell into it. I, I loved it. I, I enjoyed it so much. And I was then offered the opportunity to direct. So I directed mm-hmm. Antigone. Um, and it was, I added music, I had, I had dance, like we're, we're using Jose Gonzalez music for this stuff and I just loved it so much. And, um, my friend Jason told me, he's like, I'm about to go to grad school and I think they're probably going to ask you to step in for me. And I think you should do it. And I said, really? (laughs) Me? Like, yeah. He's like, I think they're going to ask you. To, to take my my spot and so the offer came and I have I'm you know I was really actually very apprehensive about it um because a full-time job I you know as most artists um I think kind of have this this this, this quandary of okay if I take a full-time job will I still be able to do what I actually love doing um will I still be able to take on jobs to act, to perform, um, to create, or will this become my life? And I will also admit that um, this decision was, <laughs> this offer came at a very um, soft emotional time for me because mm-hmm. my father had just passed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tom offered, had me starting to think about the job offer. Um, I think he offered it to me in December. So it, dad had passed like three weeks ago. Um, oh, and the wow. opportunity presented itself. And so, you know, I was, I was, I was talking to everybody. I was like, I don't know if I don't want to, I don't want to act out of grief, you know, <laughs> making this decision. And, yeah. you know, I don't want it to be like me giving up because he was, he was such a, my, he, my mom's my cheerleader. Yes. But, um, my dad and I, my dad was, was the one who called me and checking up on me saying, what are you doing? Hmm. Um, are have you written something today? Have you, oh, wow. you know, uh, are you auditioning for stuff? Like, you know, he and mom would always remind me that, you know, you're in New York for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can find jobs like this in Jackson, <laughs> you know, but that's not why you're in New York. That's not why, you know, we're supporting you. Um, so not having him to kind of bounce this whole thing off of um, had me in a, in a pretty stalemate position on whether or not to accept for a while. Um, and so, you know, luckily my mom and my brother really helped me think through it and you know my brother just eventually said Melissa you have to step out on faith and also um God would lead you down something that's confused. God wouldn't offer something to you that would leave you confused and so you know with with that um I decided to take the job and I'm glad I did little did I know that you know during the tenure of my first year COVID-19 would take over our lives uh but you know you just roll with the punches, you just roll and go. Uh, and so, you know, um, 
my job is very rewarding. It's, um, I, I have just finished recruiting for this upcoming summer um, program and for next fall's incoming class and talking to, you know, people in the front office saying we have a free actor training program for teens and then saying, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yes, please send us information and having these Zoom interviews with students who are like, I've always wanted to, to do this, but you know, um, the classes that I, I always found in Google searches just cost too much money or the commitment was just something that I couldn't do. And so when I heard about this, I knew that this was, you know, my destiny. Like, I mean, they, they talk in, the, in those kinds of words and um, it's actually really difficult because right now we can't have the number that we want because uh, we're trying to do a hybrid version this year. And so that means we have to keep our numbers smaller than usual uh -huh. for social distancing and um, COVID protocols. But um, I mean, kind of going back to what you said earlier, arts education is so important um, mm -hmm. because it allows students just another outlet to learn who they are, um, mm -hmm. help them figure out how to voice their opinions in a way that they feel will lead to change. Mm -hmm. um, and also I think, I don't wanna speak for the students, but from what I've observed, um, it just really allows them to, to grow into themselves and also recognize that they don't have to be what family society has pegged them to be. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's a freedom that comes from that, um, which is so exciting and beautiful to watch. I especially love the ones who are like, this sounded interesting, some free time this summer, why not? And those are usually the ones who end up staying with us, you know, who are like, I want to know about Adler Youth. I want to stay for two more years. I want to audition for conservatory. Ah, like acting is my life. Like that's usually how it goes. And so I, I feel um, an enormous privilege and also, you know, it's, it's definitely an act of service to um, find these students and to give them the reassurance and the encouragement to, you know, pursue this art, even if, even if it's not as a career, even if it's mm -hmm. just as a hobby um, or a way for them to, to get to the next step of their journey. Um, it's, it's so it's so great to watch, even when it's you know stressful emails and scheduling conflicts and COVID nineteen and Zoom training. Um, I, you know, I dreamed of starting theater school, and I feel that <laughs> this is the training ground for that. Mm. Um, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, and uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of creepy. Um, I will say I've said this I've said this to, to friends and and family a lot it's it's kind of eerie um, how everything's falling into place I mean of course it's not supposed to be you know um, but God has a very amazing sense of humor I only wish that my father was here to see it and laughing This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm speaking with theater artist and Jackson native Melissa Mickens. If you were with us before the break, Melissa mentioned that she had always wanted to start a theater school. Uh, kind of picking up from uh, where the inspiration came from is Joe March from Little Women. Um, I was obsessed with the one-owner writer, Susan Strandon, Christian Bale version of Little Women, which I still think is the best version. Um, and the thing I loved about that was at the end, you know, it's Professor Bear and Joe have turned uh, March's house into a school. Um, mm-hmm. where anybody can go. And um, I have, ever since then, I've just had this idea in my mind that I want to do the exact same thing. Um, I To protect my mother's privacy and safety, I won't say where the house is, but for people who know who I am, they know where the house is. But mm-hmm. I have this, this, I've always had this vision of um, combining our house, of course, that's before I knew that zoning things existed. So this actually might not be possible, but of combining my, my house with um, and buying the house next door to ours and connecting it and creating a school, um, a physical school where students would come to learn um, theater. Um, and, you know, as, as I've grown older and have been exposed to um, other disciplines and other artists and teaching artists, um, I would say that I would love for the school now to kind of uh, maybe possibly be a satellite location for a program that I work with, for a a program that I work for now, which is the Black Arts Institute, um, which is a partnership between the Stella Adler Studio of Acting in downtown Manhattan and the Billy Holiday Theater in Bed-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, where they are, um, the mission is to right a wrong when it comes to theater education for student, uh, for acting students from the African, who identify as members of the African diaspora, um, and kind of opening the eyes and giving access to students of a um, Afrocentric lens when it comes to theater training when it comes to acting actor training and I love that idea and I've never said this out loud until now Um, but I think that those are some of the principles that I would love to instill into the school that I will eventually establish in Jackson. I see myself in Jackson again. Um, I don't know when. Um, I'm sure I can speak for many Mississippians who don't live in Mississippi anymore um the very interesting tension that lies between coming from the state of Mississippi and no longer living there um but for me when I'm not I I don't feel like myself if I have not 
gone to the Magnolia State. Uh, I would say every, about every six months, honestly. Um, mm. New York is fantastic. New York is New York. Brooklyn's Brooklyn. But I'm telling you, when the, the plane is lowering into the, the, airport, the Medgar Evers Airport and all you can see are trees and the, and the Pearl River and green, uh, as far as the eye can see, instead of concrete and skyscrapers and, and um, I'm t- I, I, I always tear up when I fly, when mm. I land, um, because I know I'm home. Um, so I, um, I recognize that I'm part of the brain drain of my, of my home state. Um, I want to find a way to come back. I, I want to come back and I would love to come back in this way of, of bringing what I've learned, of bringing all of the people that I've met um, across all of my different apprenticeships, shows, performances, um, work, work colleagues, of having them come and, and help me establish something that I can, you know, instill in other students in our state because, you know, Mississippi is a very rich rich playing ground and I would love the opportunity to um to give back what you know APAC and Miss Whitehead and all of my teachers from my my growing up new states like I want to I want to give back in the same way that those institutions and those people have given to me in Jackson um like I said I don't know when um I don't know how uh zoning is a problem uh <laughs> so you know but um it's always been there that idea since elementary school to 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 start an acting school in Jackson and it has not died it's still strong and everything that I I'm doing I know is 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 preparing me for that I just really hope I don't have to go back to school <laughs> I really don't want to go back to school. So, um, but I do have some friends who have gone back to school who I'm like, if I get the money, would you come? And they're like, I'd work for you. So we'll see. I don't know. Well, we're ready for you to come back. I I support (laughs) this a thousand percent. And and I don't have a ton of money, but I will donate. So come on back. <laughs> come on back. And you heard it here on the Arts Hour, people. This is happening. So <laughs> I can't believe this. We only have a few more minutes. But before we before we wrap up, I want you to tell us a little bit about your work as a producer and in and, and film, because you, you have some awesome personal projects. So tell us, tell us what you want us to know about that. Sure. So um 26. 26- I um, wrote, produced, and I didn't direct. I said that was the one thing I wasn't going to do. Um, I wrote, <laughs> produced, um, and starred in a web series called Champagne with an S. Um, that was kind of like, um, it was written out of frustration, honestly. Um, mm. Because at that time, you know, Hamilton was starting to kick off. So a lot of hip hop based theater was happening and I'd be going into auditions and, you know, I do decide the monologue or scene that they would send out to me to prepare ahead of time. 
where they say, oh yeah, that's great. Um, so our character is, you know, urban. Um, can you do, can you freestyle for us? Can you like do a couple of bars? And every single time I would be asked that question, I'd be like, uh, sure. And then, you know, I'd end up doing something like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's um, theme song. <laughs> and then I wouldn't book. And I was like, well, of course not, because that's not in the audition just details that I needed to have that prepared. And so I was, um, I was like with a friend out in Columbus Circle looking at a, a billboard, frustrated. And it was like a champagne ad. And I said, that would be a really good rap name. And he's like, what? And it's like, champagne, pain shop. Like, you know, like, wouldn't that be hilarious if I was like, I'll be an, a rapper. And so that's literally what champagne is about. It's about a 20 something black actress who is so fed up with having to go into auditions and rap when it's absolutely not how she's <laughs> trained. It's not what she's good at. It's what's keeping her from booking roles and says, you know what? Little Mama, Ice see Ice Cube, you know, they, they <laughs> because they're rappers, they get all these, these acting jobs. So maybe I should switch gears and get really good at rapping first. And then all of the acting jobs will come. And so, you know, um, that was the first, I mean, I've been writing since I was a kid, um, but that was the first time that I wrote like a script in, you know, Celtics slash final draft and actually presented it to friends of mine who were in the industry in writer's room who gave me notes and said, this is a good idea. You should do this. Um, that's when YouTube was really starting to become the powerhouse that it is now mm. in terms of original content. Um, you know, I'd watched some awkward black girl um, web episodes, Issa mm. Rae's first foray before Insecure. And um, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it differently. I was like, I want, I want to work with my friends who went to NYU with me, who, you know, are in shows with me now, who are, are still on the way up, who are sick of being, you know, the, the second AD or you know, the intern on set doing coffee runs when they've been going to school and they actually have all the expertise and knowledge to be the director of photography, to be a lead producer, to be, you know, the at the top of the sheet in each of their departments. And so that's what I did. I um I I got a friend of mine, um, Glenn, Glenn Quinton, um, who I'd worked on with on a web series that he was producing, which is how I actually started feeling more comfortable writing is because a friend of mine from school, David, um, David J. Cork, who plays my brother on the show, he was writing a show and he was like, do you want to be a writer on this? And I was like, yeah, sure. It didn't, uh, um, they filmed it, but it was never released, I don't think. But that was like, oh, I know how this works. So that friend belief in me gave me belief in myself to create my own work. And because I was able to create my own work, I was also then able to, you know, provide opportunities for my friends. Um, and I will say that, you know, I do not regret the credit card debt that I got from this project at all. Um, I have paid it off. Um, but, you know, I said, if, if, if I'm going to go into debt for something, it, of course it should be for something that I make that I want to be proud of. Mm. And so, um, you know, if no one else is going to take a chance on me, I'll take a chance on myself. But with that, and then, you know, like crowdfunding, um, on GoFundMe, um, that 
that blew my mind. And then I started going into like, you know, marketing. So I started becoming really fluent in the social media world and newsletters and all this Wahoo stuff that, you know, I now use at my job now. Um, but it just, it was, it was so empowering to produce, to produce something, to, to learn about, you know, crafty and making sure that my actors were taken care of and working with, you know, I was living in Harlem at the time. I was like, I want to make, I want to work with local businesses and see if they'll give off, offer us the opportunity to shoot in their location, which they did. Um, and at that time for free, uh, the, oh, wow. the first season, like I didn't have to pay for any of the locations that I was fortunate enough to film in. Um, you know, and then season two, that changed, of course, um, because I said, I don't want, if I'm able to, I want to be able to, you know, say thank you in that way. And I was still able to work with some amazing local restaurants and bars. Um, and, you know, it goes back to that community, that family thing, like so many of those friends of mine, you know, since, since season one and season two are now like in it, like they're in the industry, they're in Oscar-nominated movies, they're in, you know, TV shows on stars, they're producing work, they're with notable marketing firms. Um, some have gone back to school and are doing social work now. Like it's, um, and others have gone on to get their MFA in producing at Yale. So, you know, it's, it's just like um, that little, little hive of friends of mine who believed in me and said, yeah, I'll, I'll film on some weekends, you know, in the blistering cold in December and January to bring this together. Um, it was, it was the opportunity of a lifetime. And um, I've missed that. And so I did like a, a mini like champagne refresher uh, this past Christmas, did a little holiday video. Mm -hmm. And now I'm really excited to say I'm working on my first full-length screenplay. Um, with a writing partner and oh, wow. uh we, we we finished outlining it uh last week and we just wrote our first two scenes this past weekend and we have writing assignments due on friday and we're working to get a first draft done by july so and it's i was like oh my gosh this is, i've missed this so um it's really nice to have that creative spark um lit again um, in that way with producing but yeah you know I, I made a lot of really good contacts in the web series festival world um, the founder of the hip-hop film festival in New York she she really took a liking to me she saw that she saw what the idea was she said can you fix the sound it's a great thing but we gotta get the audio fixed and you know she she checks in with me all the time and um from that, I was able to, you know, get a couple of partnerships to stream it on a couple of different um, sites. And um, yeah, it, it's been, Champagne was a wild ride. It was, it was fun. It's time to put her to bed, but I'm excited to see what this, this next project I have um, will turn into. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. 